0: well Corbin welcome uh welcome to the journey um, yeah, so this man. is Corbin Tyson and uh, we've been good friends for a for a for a little bit here uh, a few years I'm trying to even think about how far it goes back I would say probably at least ten years if not yeah yeah not, maybe even a little bit longer because it might have because I opened up KP in 2001 and you did that Corvette video for me that was before I opened up the wellness Center in 2010 yeah yeah so
1: Maybe oh so, seven oh eight yeah so goes back a while before the iPhone before
0: the iPhone <laughs> exactly so but let me just tell you a little bit about the journey and what we what we're trying to do here and basically the journey is just um, having individuals come on and just having conversations about individuals who've transformed their lives who've maybe had some setbacks and then failed forward different obstacles in their life and how they learn from those obstacles and how they've been transformed because of that. And so, uh, I know some of the conversations we've had in the past, I thought you'd just be a great person to come on and, uh, hear some of the things that, uh, some of your thoughts and some of the things that you've done, um, because I know, uh, Every time we're together, I learn something from you. So, <laughs> so, so, I don't know about that, but uh, thanks for so, having uh, me. No, seriously. No, <laughs> all serious. Um, but before we get started, why why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're doing, and then what do you do for fun? So why don't you start off with uh, what do you do for fun?
1: Oh, for fun? Oh, well, right now, sleep, because yeah. I'm just like <laughs> super, super busy. Sure. Um, I just started a, a new job in April at an ad agency, so okay. heading up digital strategy and then video production. Okay. Um, and then uh, I've got three kids Sure. Okay. 15, 12, and nine. Okay. So I got my hands full. Okay. And then uh, I thought it would be uh, smart, dumb to start up uh, some YouTube content. So I'm okay. working on that okay. here and there. And, uh, Hence the tired voice and the squinty eyes because I'm, I'm burning at both ends right now. (laughs) So so the,
0: the content that you're developing for the YouTube, that's, Mm -hmm. that's a more, you've been doing that for a long time, but this particular project is just, uh, probably just less than two months old, right?
1: Yeah. So, um, I, I actually kind of got started making my own content probably about five years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and I sold a show to a YouTube channel. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was a really good idea, and it was a documentary about fatherhood, yeah. and so that kind of started my my journey of um, making my own content. Yeah. You know, I'd always I've done video production since Macs were beige. Sure, you know, sure. like yeah, yeah, yeah. since I think 1996 is when I started yeah. um, in the creative industry, yeah. and so I'd always been making um, videos and commercials here locally and nationally. And then I thought, you know what, I, I've got an idea for a documentary. And so I submitted it to this YouTube called Soul Pancake. Mm -hmm. They bought it and then we produced that. It did quite well. And then, um, I kind of shelved things for Mm -hmm. five years and I finally kind of got off my ass in the last few months and started that back up, um, to start making some stuff on my own again. Yeah, why don't you tell us a little, because I remember that, uh, I remember the Fatherhood Project, and that was, mm-hmm.
0: uh, I really enjoyed listening to it, really um, enjoyed that whole, you know, as I was looking at the videos and, and then talking to you during that time period as you were creating, why don't you tell us a little bit about what that was and about that, where would that idea come from?
1: I had, I tend to have lots of weird ideas, and mm-hmm. I had this idea that I had, I had actually written it um it was an idea to uh do a road trip with my dad Mm. and um to do a documentary about it and then interview fathers along the way and see what fathers like kind of what advice they would have what did you do right what did you do wrong and so i had written this thing and then um Actually, a friend of mine sent me a tweet that Rain Wilson, uh, Dwight Schrute from The Office, sure he had started this uh, company called Soul Pancake, and they were looking for show ideas. And my friend sent me the tweet and was like, "You should apply." Mm-hmm. And they had an email on there, and so I wrote a treatment for the show, and it was like six episodes. Okay. And um, I sent it in. Didn't hear back from for months, and then um, I was in New York on a on a job, and they called me and they're like, "Hey, we want a green light." Uh, at least a pilot episode and see how it does and then we'll go from there and we'll you know potentially renew it for six episodes okay and it kind of snowballed Mm -hmm. did quite well and then um we ended up on the today show yeah talking about it and um it was it was a really incredible opportunity that I really didn't take advantage of mm-hmm. <laughs> to be okay. honest with you. Okay. Yeah, if that, if you're looking for the underbelly of the story, sure. Um it w- it was a real interesting process because it was such a um such a personal project, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to talk about my dad, to talk about other people's dads. I mean, it was a real raw mm-hmm. subject and then to have, you know, seven or eight producers telling you how you should tell your story about your dad. Mm-hmm. Is a real, I mean, it's a mind fuck, mm-hmm. is the best way to put sure, it. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, excuse yeah. my French, but. Yeah. Uh, and so um, that was actually like one of these things where it was like I reached the mountaintop. Yeah. I remember we were walking to the Today Show and I was like, oh, I did it. I made it. My phone is going to be ringing off the hook. Yeah. You know, like I don't have to worry about anything, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, and like shaking hands with Al Roker and. Carson Daly. And I thought I did it, man. Yeah, I yeah, did it. I've arrived. <clears throat> yeah. And little did I know that that was like, it actually doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And it it matters if you're, you know, sort of chasing the, the, the God of status. Sure. Cause you know, everybody was like high five of me and yeah, yeah. it was uh, kind of this thing. But what I didn't realize is that the phone wasn't going to ring. Like mm-hmm. I got, I, I didn't get one call from okay. that. You know, I thought, Oh they're going to just, you know, roll out the red carpet and right, right. have piles of money waiting for me to make any documentary I want to, right? right? Well, it was just like a I think they were just, you know, they needed some content, just mm-hmm. like how we are all trying to make content. They needed content and they just happened to have a TV show yeah, and
0: you know, it was Father's Day. Yeah. At that time period, right? Uh-huh. So the, so you were featured that particular year, your project was featured. On Father's Day, mm-hmm. or right around Father's Day, yeah, that week, that, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: that week. So, um, sponsored by Dove Mancare. Care. Yeah, That's remember, what it was. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, when you think back, we, well, maybe before we get into the the part about creating it, yeah, but when you think back about those. The the individuals you interviewed, you know, because yeah. you got to know their stories. Yeah. Any any one particular story stands out more. Um, not not to, not to say the other ones were less than, but yeah. Any one particular one stands out because it's now been a few years since you did that project. Yeah. Anything, any one of those when you were meeting
1: meeting with them and, and getting their stories that stood out to you. Yeah. Um, I think it was it was what I learned overall. There wasn't an individual one that was like boom. Okay. There was an episode that um, I interviewed probably about 100 different people. Okay. And it was sort of back-to-back um, at, like, a men's conference. And oh, so man. I was able to get this, like, fire hose of information yeah. of how people were raised. Right, right, right. And the thing that I took away from that is, like, and I, I tell my friends I have kids all the time. I'm, like, they're, like, oh, I'm so worried I'm going to be a shitty dad. And, mm. and then I, I always say, wait, stop. Like, wait, you're worried about it? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, I'm just, I just don't. And I was like, you already won. Yeah. Like the fact that you're worried about it means that you're way, way ahead of most people because people, you know, f- there's a lot of really terrible fathers out there mm-hmm. and that don't even give their kids the time of day. And so yeah. if you're a dad and you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm actually a little, just even a little bit worried, mm-hmm. like you've already won. Right. And. And the second thing that I really took away from that was, um, I, I, for me personally, it was such a, a step in the right direction of doing my own thing. But also, it was like, oh man, like this stuff is not important. The status is not important. Being recognized is not important. What's way more important is that I'm, I'm available and present with my kids. Mm-hmm. And so they they actually talked to me about doing a season two and during season one i was like gone Mm -hmm. i mean i was always filming you know a little documentary piece i was not around Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. for my kids i was stressed out Mm -hmm. because of the pressure and i was like i don't want to do it because what i learned from the documentary is that i need to be there for my kids and need to be present okay and so it would be sort of a catch or i don't know like it wouldn't make sense to learn all right. this stuff about what it means to be a good dad right and then to just like pursue the things that I learned right, not right. to <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah.
0: well, and that's one of the things, and again, not to you know blow smoke up your ass, but that's one of the things I've admired about you is I'm totally not surprised that that's what happened you know uh, with that I've never heard you say it in that way um about that, but uh the thing that I've always learned, saw with you, and learned from you is that about being authentic and about being an integrity. So if you're doing a a documentary about fatherhood, then a byproduct of that is you're going to be faced to be challenged to be a better father. I mean, w- without a doubt, absolutely, I mean, and, yeah. Um, and that's what happened. And, yeah. and one of the the you know consequences of that was that you're going to make a decision not to do
1: yeah a second season. And I also. I didn't want to be the, the, an ex, I wasn't an expert. I was sort of a, 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 an anti-hero in it, if you will. I was Mm -hmm. like just observing Mm -hmm. and what was happening though, because I was getting, you know, Mm -hmm. recognition, I was, people were like, you should write a book about fatherhood and you know, why don't you, I would get, I'd be speaking somewhere about it. And like a little old lady would walk up to me and give me her son's phone number and was like, can you call him? He needs to be a better dad. And I was like, Well, I'm not like <laughs> you just trust me, you don't want to call me. Like <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, that was the whole point. It was like I don't even know nobody gave me a manual or anything how to right. do parenting. And right. the best way for me to express myself was in and in, to investigate was through a camera. So it was right. like all these happy accidents and then yeah. suddenly people wanted me to you know write a dissertation on what it means to be a good father and I'm like yeah I don't yeah. <laughs> you don't want to talk to me yeah, right? You know? um, <laughs> sure yeah
0: so you when you look back on that now of course it's years later mm-hmm. and you've made a comment about not capitalizing on it yeah and and if you had to do if what, what would be one of those things that you, learning that you learning about it what would you what would you have done different
1: well I think It was a weird, so this was, uh, let's see. It was a weird time in social media, really, too. And I always joke that I didn't capitalize on it because I didn't. I, I my social game sucks, mm-hmm. you know when it comes to social media and I do marketing for a living, so it's kind of ironic. But mm-hmm. had I kind of had things together, I would have had a book, I would have had sure. things ready to go and yeah. taken advantage of the opportunity. But I think deep down inside, I didn't really want to. Yeah, I just wanted to make films. I just wanted right. to make good stuff. Yeah. and whatever happened would happen. Right, and so, right. uh, you know, I regret no you know yeah. I, it's more of my my business hat comes on and it's like man you had an opportunity there and you just kind of you know didn't do much with it yeah. and uh, but in hindsight now i think it was good because yeah. i think i would have ended up in places i didn't right. really want to be you know? well i think there i think that's a great
0: example of or at least as i'm observing of it the the tension between how do you take a take capitalize on something like that but then also be be authentic, be genuine, right? Mm-hmm. And you were going after about creating good content mm-hmm. because you liked the you liked the topic. Yeah. You you wanted to be a better father. You wanted to learn from what your circumstances were with your dad and growing up mm-hmm. and and what you were seeing all around you. And So when you're doing that, you don't necessarily have everything rolled out because then it would look like it was contrived. Right. Now, there are certain times, right, because of maybe other experiences that you may go into something being a little bit more aware, being a little bit more intentional, and you can have some things Mm -hmm. already available. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. Having had KP for as long as I have, I almost always have business cards on me. Right. You know, but it wasn't like that the first five years. I right. forget. You know, mm-hmm. and it was I wasn't used to doing that. You yeah. Know? And um, now it just becomes part of. So they're available, but it isn't necessarily like I'm set up thinking, oh, I'm going to have to hand out a bunch, a bunch of business cards. Right. It's just I just become more aware and more prepared. And it just becomes more just a natural thing to do. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. And there's always this weird, uh, back then it was, there was this weird guilt with it too, because mm-hmm. it was like, Oh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? From both the showrunners mm-hmm. and just the people I'd interact with at, at that level, you mm-hmm. know, there's, um, when you get to that level, there's this tenacious, like ambition that mm-hmm. I just don't have. I don't mm-hmm. really, I, I'm just not that competitive. Mm-hmm. And so it was all kind of like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't even really want that. So, yeah. but there's this weird pressure that um, whatever society or social media puts on you, that if you have success, then you gotta, you know, yeah. capitalize on it, write a book, yeah. have stickers, have t-shirts. And it's just like, that's just not my nature. And right. now that i you know, four or five years have passed, it's like, Oh, I'm glad I didn't do that because right. I'm just, you know, it's just not who I am right. at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. And my bank account reflects that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you
0: talked about when, when did you get into film? Tell me, tell, tell us, how did that all happen? Oh, film and making Going way film. back. Yeah, man. yeah.
1: Um, so I started off as a graphic designer. Okay. Uh, 1996, so like a year out of high school. Okay. I started messing around with the computers at my church. Okay. And um and then my little brother. Was really into computers. He had like a computer repair business. So we always had computers around the house. Okay. Uh, We had a a scanner that was a hand scanner and you would, it was like this machine, Mm -hmm. it was like a little bar and you would take it and you would manually go like this to scan things. Okay. Okay. And I was like, oh, my brother got it somewhere. I don't know. And he was like, check this out. And I was like, ooh. And like immediately I started making fake IDs with it sounds good (laughs) (laughs) because i was like "Ooh, this is great i could get beer with this you know and um so but then i just really i loved it i started making flyers for my friends bands and for the youth group okay even though i was like using it to like make fake ids i still was like helping out at the church sure sure um and then um i started getting jobs in the summer um working at a print like print shops okay um, as like the delivery boy. And mm. I would hang out with the designers and I'd be like, hey, show me how to do this. And mm. what, what does Photoshop do?
0: Okay.
1: And then I would stay after work because I had access to the computer because okay. computers back then were $9 million and you needed a room to run it, right? You're right, right. Yeah. And uh, a hand crank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a Little gerbils. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, when I was doing stuff for the church, one of the computers, it was a Mac and they were beige at the time. Uh, it had video inputs, and my brother was starting to play with some – him and I were messing with, like, school projects with, like, two VCRs. Okay. So you would, you know, tape on a camcorder to a tape, and okay. then you would edit to another tape. Okay. And sure. that's how you would edit, right? Well, then when we found this computer that had video inputs, we could plug the VCR into the computer and capture the footage to a hard drive and then chop it up, right? Okay. And it was like – and I just, I got obsessed and was a total, total loser back then to my friends because I did nothing but that. Okay. Like I, I didn't, I wasn't dating anybody. I wasn't, I didn't have a social life. I just buried myself. I was either at Barnes and Noble reading a book about how, to, about do how it, to do it Okay. again, pre the internet mm-hmm. and then, I, or I was making stuff. And so I would, um, I'd set my VCR, um, to mtv and i'd record like hours as long as i'd fill the tape with when they used to play music videos yeah yep. i'd fill that and then i would just chop those up and make my own stuff and then i would make uh like skateboarding videos okay. and then it just sort of snowballed and then um a guy was like hey do you do tv commercials and i was like of course i do which <laughs> i didn't and yeah. so i did these furniture store commercials for okay. years and that's really where i cut my teeth professionally okay. and then from there uh, my buddy Tom that I met um, worked on movies and so I would just tag along with him okay. and clean his truck okay. um, do I, I was just hungry I just would do anything I could to learn okay. um, about it and then I just kept pursuing it you know and I still still do it today gotcha. you know so
0: so your initial interest in it
1: was really the technical end. Yeah, maybe even the criminal end because I was making fake IDs. <laughs> true, true. That, well, that was
0: more entrepreneurial. <laughs>
1: yeah, there you go, entrepreneurial. entrepreneurial. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, but but it sounded almost like you were more interested or, or, or really drawn to the idea that you could create stuff. Yeah. And, and and using this modality and, and really fascinated by that mm-hmm. and 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 kind of fell fell in love with that process and, and intoxicated by that whole process, and then somewhere along the line because the part that i know you was the storyteller mm-hmm. the person that you used film um and a camera to to tell a story or or to create a story when did that when do you think it's when did it maybe it was always there or when did it make that shift where it really became um, Storytelling, and I obviously doing a commercial on a furniture store. It's harder to tell a story. Um, it is, you know, they're looking for something different. But I know you've done some phenomenal things for like Swedes, you know, the the hospital here in town, mm-hmm. and very much I can tell your work is there's a there's a story there. There's a there's a story to that element. Yeah, I so. think
1: I've always just been interested in like taking the tangled ball of yarn that is someone's story or even a company's story, okay. and sort of untangling it and then mm-hmm. snipping here snipping there and finding this common thread. Okay. Um I've always been sort of inquisitive about even when I go to a restaurant I'm like what's the story here? What's mm-hmm. the scoop here? Um I was at a whiskey tasting like a month ago and there was this we didn't even taste the whiskey but the 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 lady presenting told the story and I was like take my money. You know, I I, I like anything if this yeah. this coffee's kind of lame cuz it's just from Starbucks and sure. it's like a concentrate and yeah. whatever. But if there's like a story behind it, yeah. Oh, it was, you know, the beans were handpicked from mm. a Peruvian mountaintop. I don't know. You know, yeah, I'm yeah, going yeah. to, I'm in, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. I've just yeah. been fascinated, fascinated with story. And okay. then I think as a kid, I was always fascinated with how they made movies happen. I okay. always wanted to figure out how did they make that happen? And then it just happened to be that I sort of fell in love with documentaries. Mm-hmm and i loved documentaries because i was like i can do that like mm-hmm. i don't i don't need to move to la mm-hmm. to make that right and it was like oh wow and so i immersed myself in documentary and that's where i went to school um, for for documentary filmmaking was just immersing myself into wow. it because i didn't go to college for it right, right and okay. that's where i fell in love with story and then i noticed from a career standpoint Anybody can take a camera and make a video, right? Right. But can someone tell a story? right? And so in some ways, then I became a student of journalism. How do you ask questions? How okay. do you pull the right question from somebody and get them to say what you want them to say mm-hmm. without them knowing it? Right. And then that's where the authenticity comes across. Yeah. And I do that whether it's for a documentary about fatherhood or... I was in Atlanta last week doing that interviewing a food scientist about you know ingredients that go into tea. Okay. And asking questions. Okay. You know. Gotcha. About that that stuff too. Sure. You know? Well, it goes back to like when you talked about being at that
0: whiskey tasting mm-hmm. is that you you're genuinely cur- curious. Uh-huh. And and I would think that would be pretty essential um, to, yeah. to be asking those, uh, asking those questions, trying to capture that because people love to, with what, if they're into something, whatever they're into, and someone's asking me about the story of why I'm into it, it's going to go, just go to a whole nother level of, yeah. of me talking. I'm going to, it's going to be more than just hitting play.
1: right? It is. And, and, and I've had, I've almost had to fall in love with the story because if like corporate videos just will suck your soul mm-hmm. and make you question your existence every mm-hmm. time you do it, it's pretty boring mm-hmm. and I'm super creative and it, it it's in me and it's got to get out. And mm-hmm. so I, I was like, well, I got to figure out how to enjoy this You're or this is going <laughs> to gonna be a long career yeah, of, real. you know, hating it. Sure. And so yeah. every time I sit down with a CEO or a food scientist or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I'm like, okay, what? what interesting thing can I learn from this person? And so I sort of, you know, play a little bit of a game with mm-hmm. it. And then I like, I love to like with the CEO, it's like, okay, I'm going to get this guy to relax mm-hmm. and actually talk to me, you mm-hmm. know? And last week I was in Atlanta and mm. this like super successful CEO comes in. And he's like, I don't want to do this. And <laughs> I had been interviewing his staff and I turned to the guy I work with. And I was like, I'm going to get this guy to cry. <laughs> <laughs> just being funny. Yeah. And so I started talking about his employees and how, and I meant it, you know, and the next thing you know, this guy's just like pouring his heart out and we get this amazing story about why, you know, he started this company and why it was such a great family atmosphere. And it's like, Oh man, I love that stuff. Sure. When I can take what is really ordinary yeah. and make it extraordinary. I, yeah. I love doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which, I know that I had
0: been introduced to this concept before you and I met, but when when you and I started spending time talking and 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 creating, uh, looking at ways of creating content together and doing different things, uh-huh. um, we revisited the concept, of the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell. Yeah, and so t- tell me a little bit about when when you've done your own exploring of that concept and how does that play into um, when when you've done your own personal work on your own your own self yeah. but then also in the process of either making content or interviewing someone let's talk a little bit about about that how does that Yeah
1: so uh you know the hero's journey is Joseph Campbell and when I came across his philosophy I was like oh cuz it's like his whole um concept of the hero's journey is every single movie ever I mean, it is the reason Star Wars exists. Yeah. Um, George Lucas is like, I basically stole Star Wars from Joseph Campbell. Right, yeah. And so when I heard that, I was like, whoa. Yeah. And um, I came across that documentary, um, Finding, Finding, Finding Joe. Joe. Okay. And it was just sort of then I went down the rabbit hole of figuring that out. And it articulates everything that I have ever experienced Mm -hmm. and it also is closely related to what I do Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and so any any time I'm making any sort of film there's this arc of Mm -hmm. conflict resolution and then maybe even back to conflict Mm -hmm. and so um that that whole philosophy has been um huge Mm -hmm. in my life Mm -hmm. uh when we did the fatherhood project it was like that was that was a hero's journey yeah and then the time in between that was a hero's journey. And the time right now is the hero's journey. It's always like, where am I at right. on that, on that circle, on that circle? Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it helps in so many different ways that I, I it's the thing I give people the most, mm-hmm. that documentary, mm-hmm. like I have a Dropbox link for it now and I just send it to people cause I just, I love it. Right. You know, so much cause it articulates every single one of our our struggles mm-hmm. you know our victories and then um even i think the the it articulates the waiting and mm-hmm. like that time in between adventures right it articulates and i think that that is just as important as the adventure is mm-hmm. that time in between the adventures yeah. that limbo um, right i could write a, a book on that right
0: you know you know i I'd, I'd come across and it's so interesting to me when i you know different individuals that i will follow and um, i'm interested in hearing what they have to say and then they'll end up now that i'm you know been studying that for 20 plus years and, yeah. and it's really been more the last 5 years that i've really maybe finally sunk in and grasped mm-hmm. it's probably been 25 to 30 years that i've or 25 years for sure that i've i've been i've been under, trying to understand the heroes jerk, you know, Campbell's work with that, but it's probably been the last five years that I've really started, um, integrating into my life and really seeing it and then being able to teach it to, um, to others either in a class or in whatever format mm-hmm. it is. Um, and then when I run across other people, then I'm hearing them say the same thing, but they're just using different language, mm-hmm. right? Richard Rohr talks about it being order disorder and then reorder. Right? Yeah. And it's the same, th- it's the same circle, right? It's mm-hmm. the same, it's the same process. When, when you think about, because after the the Fatherhood Project um, mm-hmm. finished, I remember um, it, it uh, and then you also made the decision to not um, go for season two. Yeah, and you and Sarah had the opportunity to move. To a house that was in the woods, yeah, and um, and that was a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that you hadn't, you know, hadn't lived in in, in this particular type of setting before, mm-hmm. and um, and that was in that um, maybe that was a, a dark night, the soul time period, that mm-hmm. in that disorder piece. What do you remember as you as you were? At that time period, it was after the Fatherhood Project mm-hmm. was done. You you were wrestling with what what's going to be the next. You had your you had your own company at that mm-hmm. time. Um, tell us a little bit about the place where you live. Tell us about that, and then and then in that season that you were there. But then also, um, what were some things that you learned about yourself there?
1: Yeah so we I, you probably don't even know we've moved oh yeah no no
0: i remember oh cause, okay because it was a year ago <laughs> that i felt i mean d- it didn't work out the way you thought you wanted it to yeah and it ends up probably being better than it's supposed to be <laughs> so, yes but yes um,
1: absolutely i i so i would say up until about a month ago if i'm just being completely transparent mm-hmm. like i didn't know what the, and and the Fatherhood project was such a huge line in the sand and yep. whatever a mountaintop whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it and it um, and up until about a month ago I really wouldn't be able to articulate what that time period was yeah. and um, and I'm still processing what it was because after all of that um, some time passed and the like I said before the phone stopped ringing mm-hmm. you know and the phone. Um, it was either some of my local clients thought, oh, well, now he's successful. He, we can't afford him, mm-hmm. which was like, no, 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 like <laughs> I didn't make any money on that. Yeah, you know, know? <laughs> that's what people don't understand is right. we got paid to make the show, but we there was nothing left over for us. And so I was still doing the corporate stuff mm-hmm. during the day and that at night. Yeah, um, And then, um, you know, the time in between was really, I think, was like this time of me needing to go literally into the woods and metaphorically into the woods sure <clears throat> um because um we bought some pr- uh, we had an opportunity to get some property uh and it was like 10 acres mm-hmm. and it was amazing it looked fantastic on instagram yeah but it was both killing us mm-hmm. uh physically mm-hmm. and financially you know uh 10 probably eight of those acres were wooded. And Mm -hmm. so I was like a a part-time lumberjack. Mm -hmm. But, um, and all the while, like internally for me, I was entering like a real dark place. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just, by default, I deal with depression Mm -hmm. and anxiety Mm -hmm. pretty intensely. Mm -hmm. And so um, during that time period, I was really trying to find my way Mm -hmm. and figure out what was going to be next I knew that it wasn't just making videos about ice cream machines, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, because it was that's pretty unfulfilling. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't think it would be something like I did with the Fatherhood Project, because that was also pretty um, unfulfilling. Right, it looked great on paper, but it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And so that that time in between was me trying to figure out what that looks like next and i think with about a month ago i literally kind of had driven myself crazy about wanting to make my own content but i just didn't know what it would look like right i still don't know what it looks like but Mm -hmm. something I, i don't even know what but something just snapped and i was like fuck it like it's time to just start yeah and i'm gonna go ahead and document that process yeah and by um doing that and stepping in front of the camera and making some videos on YouTube, it, I, it's kind of way more for me than it is for anybody else Mm -hmm. because it's forcing me to look in the mirror and figure out what it is that I want and figure out what I want to be. And then the the, nice little byproduct of that is there's a few people that are watching and they're going, man, me too. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to start something. I want to do something. And the response has been huge. And it's like, ah, there it is. Mm -hmm. Like, my role with that is to help myself first because there's something about putting yourself out there and talking and asking questions that you learn about yourself. Yeah. And then also, um, it, I'm noticing that, man, it's going to help people. And my wife and I by default want to help people, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. almost to a fault (laughs) Mm -hmm. where, um, we, we want people to know that it's okay. Like it's okay to struggle. It's Mm -hmm. okay to, be a weirdo it's okay to um just be yourself you know and i'm really 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 happy with the response that i'm getting so far but 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 it's really hard it's Mm -hmm. i don't want anybody to think that any creating content is easy or doing anything on your own is easy it's not yeah and in hindsight i think what happened to me is that uh i everything kind of came to me easily I got into graphic design and it just kind of worked. I got into filmmaking and it just kind of worked. I did. I worked hard at it, but not that hard. Mm -hmm. And, um, the fatherhood project was just, it landed in my lap. Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything extraordinary to get that. It just, it just landed in my lap. And what I'm learning is that anything that's good and that's going to last is going to involve a, Shit, ton of hard work, and it involves that hero's journey of going to the dark night of the soul and really figuring out who you are, and Mm -hmm. you know, facing your freaking Darth Vader in the cave during Empire Strikes Back, Mm -hmm. you know, and then coming out and and putting yourself out there and learning from that, and then moving forward. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that the more honest I am with the content, and the more um, authentic and just putting out the struggles that I it, the better response I get right if that makes sense yeah, yeah.
0: no it makes total sense and in speaking of that when you know that time period that you were <clears throat> the time period when you were uh, literally and metaphorically in the woods uh-huh. right and it was in between right you were, you you were in between the fatherhood project you had started um, why am I drawing a blank? Um, what was the name of your company? Frank and Harvey. Frank and Harvey. Mm. I had the Harvey part. I couldn't remember yeah. the Frank part. So Frank and Harvey was your was your company, mm-hmm. and you had tried a handful of different things. You had you had rented some space, and then you brought the studio out to, to the the piece of property you had there yeah. in the woods. And um and, and things were shifting, right? Mm-hmm. Things things were just shifting at that at that time period. What were you talked about one of the things that you learned was um, that you had to be true to yourself. I mm-hmm. remember one time you telling me um, how you were utilizing um, exercise mm-hmm. um, to help with not only the depression but helping with the creativity. Um, mm-hmm. There was a road <laughs> that you had in front of your house. Um, tell us a little bit about how you use exercise, either literally chopping wood or or running or whatever. How do you how do you how do you? How'd you yeah. It?
1: So I, my joke is always like. Um, I'm going to be healthy, but I'm not going to be a dick about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, um, So uh, I have found for depression, like I've done all the medication. I've done all the meditation, everything. Yeah. But the one thing, at least for me, that works better than anything is exercise. Okay. And that involves a little bit of running. And now, in addition to that, I've added to the mix, like, a sauna. Okay. Like, it's just when I'm shit is off the rails and i'm just like and not in a good place my wife will be like i think you should probably go sit in the sauna for a little bit you know Mm -hmm. i wish i owned a sauna so i go to the y and just sweat it out but Mm um uh, i had been ignoring you know my health for for years and i was you know during the fatherhood project and after the fatherhood project it was like my drinking went up my health went down Mm -hmm. and you know i was pounding You know, six, seven beers a night. And if you look at the clip of me on the Today Show, like, I'm just, I just look swollen. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) you know, that beer, Mm -hmm. you know, swelling. And I was like, you know, I got to do something about this because I just didn't feel right. And Mm -hmm. I was going to a real dark place. And all the podcasts and all the books all say exercise is the key, but I just sort of ignored it. And Mm -hmm. so I just was like, that's it. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to... cut back on the drinking and I'm going to start running. And I was like, I'm going to run a half mile. and I'm going to run a mile. And dear Lord, it was hard. Mm-hmm. And the, and there was this hill right in front of my house mm-hmm. that became like this metaphor for my life that it was like, if I don't, I got to make it up this hill. I got to like, cause I couldn't at first, mm-hmm. like I would have to walk the hill. Mm-hmm. And so I'd run down the hill to the stop sign And then back to my house was like a mile. And then up that hill on the way back was just pure hell. Mm -hmm. And it was like not only pure hell physically, but it was like mentally like, um, how did I get here?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I can't even make it up this hill. Because I I went to school on a scholarship for Mm -hmm. soccer. And so I was an athlete my whole life. And to wake up and not be able to even run up a hill was just like just a big punch to the face, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. to my ego. But then that hill was just like, all right, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And I would run once a week, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'd run. Then I started going twice a week. And then I started doing three times a week. And I I know I joke about I'm going to be healthy but not be a dick about it. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is, like, I was going to be healthy, but I'm not going to be a dick to myself about it. Mm -hmm. Because whenever I would try to start something and then I would fail, because you're going to fail Mm -hmm. if you start anything. You're going to fail. And it's like what I think why we stop doing it is because then you're like, well, I can't run a 10 minute mile anymore. You know, and it's like, well, stop, like run a 16 minute mile, right. walk a 16 minute mile. It's better than not doing it at all. Right. You know, And but I have just found that in that time period in my life sort of made me recognize that that is a key essential to me being healthy. Mm-hmm. And I'm terrible about it if i get in once a week i'm like thrilled mm-hmm. yeah. um if i get in twice a week then awesome you know i i don't have that <clears throat> um you know like well guys like you like <laughs> with a bodybuilding background you just you know you know every day da, 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 mm-hmm. da. i just don't have that mm-hmm. and so i stop judging myself about that and right. then it's like i chalk up the victories to if i get out there twice a week it yeah. Is awesome, and I'm I see results because of that. Sure, so it's yeah. like it's better than nothing. Yep. You know, because nothing got me in some real dark places. Yeah, you
0: know? yeah. And and I think that you know a couple of weeks ago, um, I had the good fortune um, during the Suicide Awareness Month, mm-hmm. and Kevin Kevin Hines, he's a mental health advocate now. He twenty years ago when he was nineteen, he he had jumped from the Golden Gate Bridge in an attempt to die mm-hmm. from suicide, and he was one of uh, there's like Four thousand plus people who've they've identified that have jumped, only thirty two have survived. Jeez. And he was one of the thirty two. Anyways, uh, he what he learned in that experience, because um, it's a crazy situation. I mean, it's like. 250 feet or whatever from the platform to the water. Yeah. And that's, you go to like 70 miles an hour and it's like four and a half seconds, which is a long time to know what's going to happen. Right. I mean, and we were talking earlier with Dalton about wrestling, you know, Mm -hmm. you're in a bad position for four and a half seconds. It's a long time. Yeah. It's a lifetime. Yeah. And, um, but he, he was interviewed and the other. Thirty-one individuals mm-hmm. were interviewed afterwards, and they all said the same thing: they wish they wouldn't have jumped. They, mm. they wanted to live, and um, and even though um, he he did live and he had surgery in his back and all these different things, he, he doesn't want to die. But because of his mental illness, he has bipolar one, and because of his mental illness, he has struggled. He's been, uh, I think, inpatient um, uh, eight times in the last twenty years. Mm. Because of the suicidal thoughts, because of the the hallucinations, the voices, and um, so, just recently when I saw him, I said, "Kevin, you look phenomenal." Because I've been following him for a while, I go, "You look great. You've lost weight. You look you look great." And he's lost some thirty something like that, some you know decent amount of weight, and he and he talked about that he he works out for something like 35 minutes twice a day mm-hmm. he makes sure that he gets 7 to 9 hours of sleep mm-hmm. every day he eats certain foods and avoids other types of foods for him the medication's one part, portion of it mm-hmm. doing therapy is another part of it yeah. um but it's the lifestyle it's it's about incorporating for him because his system is so um fragile is mm-hmm. that that his his workouts are essential um, his, his eating is essential. His sleep is essential. The fact that he continually says he's feeding his mind regarding information, mm-hmm. um, about not only bipolar, but about mental health overall. And, um, and so I remember, you know, I remembered when you had told me that that had been a critical part that when you were in a dark place, either going to the sauna, going mm-hmm. for a run, going out and all right, I'm going to take care of that tree that, you know, that fell. Yeah. Um, and, um it was more for your mental health than it was to clean the tree up, right I mean it was absolutely you know and and so I just remember that you tell me those stories, and I just want you to kind of expand a little bit about that and
1: yeah and i I think that um I think there's kind of two things that I've learned during that process is like i I've always felt bad or guilty, or like I've always had this idea that I can fix it, hmm. you know like um I, I like I will always fix things before having someone else sure. do it. Mm-hmm. My wife's window this past week just dropped into the. Oh, in the car. Into the right into the door. Right. yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, I can figure this out, you know, and I'm taking the door apart. And that's just my nature. Right. Sure, and yeah. so with depression and anxiety, I've always been like, I can fix this. Mm-hmm. And it, And it wasn't until I realized, like, wait, I don't I think it's just there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm, mm-hmm. But no matter what I do, it's just usually, it it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like, okay, through therapy and through, you know, way too much time researching it. Yeah. Um, I figured out that like, okay, well, this thing wants certain things. So depression wants me to stay in bed. Mm-hmm. Depression wants me to feel bad for myself. Depression wants me to, wallow Um, and I was talking to my friend um, this friend of mine Josh who's a therapist in Tennessee and we were on the phone and he was like yeah depression wants that from you Mm -hmm. and I was like "Ah, that's genius right depression wants me to just give up Mm -hmm. and and latch on to those thoughts and it's like wait a minute I don't really want that Mm -hmm. it's way easier to do that it's way easier to feel sorry for yourself but I don't really really want that right And so for me, the exercise, getting out in nature and even making things for me is a key part of just in a sense living with it, you know, but then also embracing it and saying, you know what? The reason my stuff is so good and the reason I'm good at asking questions and making things is probably because I'm I have this friend of depression Mm -hmm. with me because it means that I'm, you know, I have empathy. Mm -hmm. I understand what it's like to have that dark night of the soul. And so maybe instead of seeing it as something that I got to get rid of and I got to fix, you know, how do I deal with this? How do I put it at bay? How do I just not give it what it wants? Now, disclaimer, I'm not a doctor and or a therapist, so that could be all wrong. (laughs) But for me, that's just been you know part of the process is kind of figuring out how do I do this and how do I how do I mute that voice in my head that wants to go to bed and wants to watch netflix and wants to well all of those things are me my from myself being lazy mm-hmm. and not going towards things that I actually want mm-hmm. and so uh, any of that time in nature or that time in exercise is my way of saying fuck you to that right you know right. and that's that's been Huge, and I still like the last week. I've I, I the last couple weeks. I'm like in Atlanta for work. Then I'm gonna be in Iowa tomorrow, and and it's just like I don't even know when I'm gonna mm-hmm. fit it in. But I know that when I land in uh, um at the hotel tomorrow, like I'm gonna take even if it's ten minutes. I better get on that treadmill because mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, I I'm gonna have a rough trip, right? You know, and. <laughs> That's kind of stuff too though like it helps also like just have energy yeah. weirdly like if I want to do all these things I can't be sitting around having a six pack of beer right you know yeah. I, I i need to get on the treadmill get in the sauna sweat the demons out mm-hmm. <laughs> and then get at it right you know you, you know it's i know for me it has become
0: part of the formula for me to be available to either if it's, if it's given a presentation, if it's at work when I'm counseling someone, it's, it's part of the preparation for me to be available Yeah, that, that I have to, there's a physical part of it. There's a spiritual component to it. There's a, there's a mental component, but I, if I don't prepare myself physically, then I'm going to probably struggle or be distracted spiritually. If I'm not doing physical and spiritual then mentally I'm not able and emotionally I'm not going to be able to, yeah. to do the,
1: pro, you know, be available. Right? yeah, Cause I'm distracted, you know? And yeah. so, um, I think, I think too, it's like the, the concept, I don't know who said it, but the, the concept of the monkey mind, you mm-hmm. know, you've got this monkey in your brain that's just like yeah. jumping all over the place and trying to distract you. And, and it's like, for me, exercise and all that helps me kind of mute that mm-hmm. a little bit and put it at bay and yeah. and recognize it for what it is yeah. well, when your friend josh
0: was talking about depression mm-hmm. I, I was remi- reminded of uh, a story metaphor uh, of this we each have two wolves um, a good wolf and a, and a dark wolf that lies within us, right? One is about life taking, and and it, and it's about taking things, and it's about maybe that's the depression. Then we have the life giving wolf that is about hope and and possibility and creativity and and growth. Both are there. You get to choose who you're going to feed. You mm-hmm. get to choose which which one of the wolves are you going to feed. Yeah. And um and I had not necessarily. Thought of it the same way that you that how Josh said it and then yeah. how you took that information. But I talk about depression lies to us um, because that's part of its job. But also depression is going to be fed by what we give it, or it's going to be contained by what we don't feed it. Yeah, and so I think that's a great um, a great example. Yeah,
1: and what sucks about it is like depression's way easier to feed. Oh yeah, <laughs> a lot easier. It's so much easier. Yeah, the other whatever yeah. is so much harder like i hate running on a treadmill mm-hmm. i feel like a hamster trapped in a cage and looking or it just i hate it yeah I it's uncomfortable it. oh it's so uncomfortable it doesn't even matter what kind of music i put on it yeah. just is like ugh. it's <laughs> i would much rather sit around and drink a beer yeah it's just way easier <laughs> much easier <laughs> much easier but
0: it it it's about that choice. It's not that one's good or one's bad. It's just, where do you want to be? Yeah. And which, which one is going to help you get to where you want to be? Yeah. So, um, you, you had mentioned something earlier and again, it was one of those things that I, you actually introduced me to the, and it's probably one of the books that I give out and refer to people, um, you know, it, it, it's got to be the one I refer most to everybody. And that's uh, Ryan Holiday's work um, in The Obstacles is the
1: Way. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, uh, and then as, I it, thought you were going to mention the uh, interpretive dance book I gave you. Yeah, that to one. To yeah, yeah. interpretive dance passion. <laughs> yeah. You I, haven't talked
0: about that on the podcast? No, I had not talked what? about that. Well, you know, it's, now's a good time.
1: Yeah, it's we're
0: still working on it. Okay. <laughs> I let you borrow my tights. Yeah, yeah. Or any form of dance, period. Yeah. It, it's still I've we've just celebrated my daughter's twenty first birthday. And um th- that was probably an embarrassing watching uh, me and a couple other people on the <laughs> dance floor dancing up in Milwaukee with I need uh, footage um, <laughs> of this. Thank goodness. As far as I know, there is not. I'm <laughs> so, sure there is somewhere. So I imagine yeah. there is. <laughs> so um when you um what what was it about holidays? book the obstacles the way what about that concept what spoke to you about that
1: yeah so uh ryan holiday i actually came across him because he was the marketing director at american apparel which is like this super cool t-shirt company right and he was like the marketing director for this huge company and he was 21 and i read an article about him that he um was only had a he had a really limited budget with american apparel and he needed to figure out how to do a national campaign on like a local budget. And so he took out a billboard in LA and then he secretly called a bunch of his friends and had them go vandalize the billboard. And then he had all these other email accounts set up and he sent out emails to all the papers about their, um, their billboard being vandalized. And then it got, it got picked up on CNN and so they got this national exposure and it was something like he did the math. It was like, you know, $20 million worth of advertising for 1500 bucks. you know. Okay, okay. And he had this whole book called Trust Me, I'm Lying. And uh-huh. it was all about sort of the underbelly of marketing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I loved that book. And then kind of out of left field, so the, he, he wrote all about marketing. Yeah, And so that's kind of how I came across him. And then out of left field, he wrote this book, Obstacle is the Way, yeah. which was really about the philosophy of stoicism mm-hmm. and this idea in our life that Every obstacle that is in our life, you can look at it one of two ways. Number one, you can look at it as an obstacle or a wall and you can sit there and pout about it. Or number two, you can look at it as a wall or an obstacle and say, how is this wall or this obstacle? First of all, how am I going to get around it or over it or through it? And then once I'm through it, once I'm around it, what did I learn from that? Mm -hmm. Because most likely there's going to be another obstacle in my life that's gonna um, I'm gonna need those things I learned from the other one sure you know so in in my life what did you learn from the fatherhood project what did you learn and how is that gonna help you moving forward yeah you know so um, um, and yeah that book I read that probably once a year Mm -hmm. Um, and then Ego is the Enemy is his other book and then I think this week he's coming out with one called Stillness which I'm assuming is about meditation and you know, um, I'm sure it's going to be great. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but Obstacles the Way is just, it, it's such an easy read, and it's such a, it, like, I tell people all the time, if you want to kind of dive into philosophical thought, that's a great place to start. Because yeah. it's really accessible, mm-hmm. and it's really understandable, and um, yeah, it's a it's a great book. Yeah, I like I said I've, I've enjoyed it
0: the concept of it mm-hmm. and I think one of two things that really for me that resonated with was beginning to introduce the idea that just because there's an obstacle doesn't mean it's the wrong path mm-hmm. um, and and obstacles are part of the journey right mm-hmm. it's just and that that aspect of it was probably the most liberating for me was, was just this idea that, um, and I don't know where I ever came up with this idea that if you're on the right path, it somehow is obstacle free. I don't know exactly where that came from, Mm -hmm. but I, I do know that I fell into that trance Mm -hmm. of, of thinking that, um, if it was obstacle free, somehow it was the right path or, if there was obstacles on the path, that was somehow the wrong path. Yeah, and then and then uh, then I struggle with maybe even committing to being on on that path um, because I'm not wanting to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that was one of the things that r- I really liked about that book. And then the other part of it, and I've shared this many times before, is that the story that you're going to tell at a given point in the future is the story that you're writing now. Yeah. And that helped me not get stuck in the funk because I don't want to be talking about the story
1: that Kevin was stuck in the funk yeah. for, for more than I needed to be. Yeah, and I think I think the obstacle is the way is also this idea of being here now. Yeah, meaning instead of always looking what's over the. Wall. What's behind the wall? What's on the side of the wall? Well, like, let's look at the wall. Yeah, and be in this moment, right this second. Yeah, and and I i think my tendency is always to look forward or look behind. And yeah. so, how are you looking at right this second? Right. I was yesterday. We were at my. It'd be my father-in-law's mother. She died, and we were at a funeral. And okay. so, we we're driving uh, into the cemetery, and it was raining. And I told. My wife and kids, I was like, man, if I was making a movie, this is how it would be. She, she lived a wonderful life. She was 97, 98 oh, years old. Okay, sure. And um, and I told the kids, I was like, you know, we're all going to die. <laughs> and they are all like, geez, Dad, this mm-hmm. is pretty dark. I was like, no, but like, so we got to live for right now. Right. Because this is what we all have in common. So yeah. let's not waste today. Right. And and let's not worry about tomorrow. Let's live today because we just don't know when that's going to happen or it it is going to happen. So let's accept that and be stoic about it Mm -hmm. and, you know, have fun, dance, dance with your daughter and make a fool of yourself, you know, and and go to that party and party, Mm -hmm. you know, and go be with your friends and be with your friends right. you know and I, that's what I love about the philosophy of stoicism and you know which is really the basis of everything that Ryan Holiday is writing about yeah. what I and that's what I love most about um, Obstacles the Way is this overarching thing of like be in the now yeah. and um, that's one of the hardest things that I think any one of us can try to accomplish yeah. and or accomplish yeah. but I've had moments of it and it's very possible. And when I'm really intentional about it, I I, I feel really great, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm, again, depression wants me to not engage at the party. Depression wants me to go to the father-daughter dance with my daughter and stand on the wall and scroll through my Facebook while she's out there dancing. Right. But it's like, instead, stoicism says, get out there and dance yeah. and make a fool out of yourself, yeah. get sweaty, have fun because it's going to not only make your daughter's night, but those moments are fleeting. Cause pretty yeah. sh- soon she's going to not want to have anything to do with me. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully or, not. Or, or she'll be sharing her time with, yeah. You know, a partner sharing her time yeah. with creating her own life and it'll be at another stage. And, and even if she wants to be with you, she'll have other things pulling at her time. Yeah. So, um, before we wrap up today, I want you to just mention this new project, this new platform in which you're creating content. Yeah, and,
1: and so tell us a little bit about that. So I'll be quite honest with you; I have no idea where it's going. Okay, but uh, on on YouTube, I've just been making videos okay. about the process of figuring out what's next. I have this idea, yep. and um, I've had I've had it for a long time, and it's called Makers and Misfits. Okay, and the idea is that I I want to talk to people who make. And I want to talk to people who are misfits. Sure. Um, the misfits to me are all of my friends growing up. Right. <laughs> that, uh, they're, it's the lawyer by day, punk rock, cover band singer by night. Yep. You know, uh, I want to find out what makes them tick, what inspires them. But then as, as well, uh, talk to those people mm-hmm. and let people know that it's okay to feel like a weirdo. It's mm-hmm. okay to feel depressed. It's okay to um, have a bad day and it's okay to have obstacles if mm-hmm. you will. And I, I'm hoping to just make some really authentic, transparent content. And mm-hmm. um, I'm about a month in and it's doing quite well mm-hmm. by my standards. Mm-hmm. And more importantly though, it. I told my wife the other night, I was like, Holy shit! This is the first time in my whole career that I'm actually making something just for myself. Mm-hmm. And some would argue, well, the Fatherhood Project was that. And I'd say, well, yeah, but I had—I wasn't making it for myself. I was making it for the seven producers yeah. at Soul Pancake, and yeah. they're wonderful people, and yeah. we still message each other. One of one of them, but it wasn't for me. It was for Dove ManCare because yeah. they were paying for it right, right, right and so now what's so awesome about the platforms that we have is i can do whatever i want mm-hmm. and it's been a real freeing experience to to make whatever i want mm-hmm. and not have to pander to some audience or you know worry about some person not being offended or whatever and not that i'm offensive but it's really cool to see how uh how much people want authentic Right. um, content. And so, um, we're going to see where it goes. And so what I've done is I've decided, okay, Wednesday nights, cause I'm super busy. I'm taking Wednesday nights and that's when I'm going to work on it. And so having that bucket of time has been awesome. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, well, I'll just do that on Wednesday. I'll do that on Wednesday. Right. Now it's starting to bleed into other nights of the week, but sure. it's been really uh, deeply satisfying to just be able to create um, and make for the sake of making, oh. and so wherever it goes, I don't know, but yeah. I I do know the overall thing is like I'm gonna make for the sake of making,
0: right? Yeah, and I think that's you know, and I've looked and I've watched each one of them. You know, the last one I saw was, uh, the last one I saw was you and Sarah on there. Yeah, and um, and so uh, I've enjoyed them. I, I, you know, it it is exactly what you just said. It's an opportunity for people to do get to know you more, get to, you know, you, you're very authentic and transparent about where you're at as you're making it, but then you also, you know, the your ability to create film and there's other things that you're adding to it as well so there's that creative process you know as it as it goes into it too so looking forward to seeing more if yeah. if people do want to uh see more of that work yeah um how do they get how do they just go get-
1: on youtube and look up corbin tyson it's c-o-r-b-y-n okay tyson t-y-s-o-n just like the chicken there you go that's the <laughs> the best way to find me on instagram facebook all the The chicken Tyson. No, no. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All of the uh, the social medias are what I say to my son to drive him nuts on Snap, Twitter. Yes. <laughs> just to have him correct you again right uh-huh. <laughs> perfect yeah.
0: so anything you would want to finish off with as we wrap up today for anybody out there listening
1: no this is great like i'm i i think what's so awesome about this and uh platforms like this is yeah. that anybody can do it yeah exactly you, you can get out there it, it takes a lot of hard work but there's something about being able to talk about what's going on in your life and even if it's pretty ordinary. Like the stuff I'm doing is pretty ordinary, but it's like, there's extraordinary things within that Yeah, ordinary. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to have like a filmmaking background. So like some of the stuff just comes easier to me, but I, I don't let that stop you because those obstacles that you're going to have to overcome, you're going to learn more about yourself. And so I'm always like, telling people get out there and make, get out there and do something. And if nothing else, like a podcast like this is a great excuse for you and I to connect because we're both really busy and I haven't seen you in forever. And it's just awesome. And now forever and ever we'll have this. Exactly. So when we're old dudes, we can go remember that time and we can literally watch it. Exactly. I think that's going to be awesome for us. I think that's awesome for my kids. Yeah. And so it's like, instead of just sitting and consuming, yeah. Like I, I'm like telling everyone contribute. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, what
0: you just said is exactly why we do this, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, don't know exactly where it's going to go, but I do know that people have stories of uh, want to capture and talk about the hero's journey, talk about the obstacles that are in people's life. But most importantly, what did they learn from those things? Because if it helps, if there's one thing that we talked about that can help one person, then it was worse than an hour doing it, right? Yeah, And uh, if it happens
1: to happen too, then we're in bonus territory. Yeah, so. and um, the the mantra I've been playing in my head is Elizabeth Gilbert says that creativity is the engine of resilience. Absolutely. And so whether it's painting a picture or taking a picture or building a house, I mean, whatever that looks like, I think that creativity is saying, not today, depression. Yeah, yeah we're not going to feed you today.
0: I'm, I'm working at creating something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. The opposite of, of you know, of that depression, of that, of that darkness that happens um, is about feeding that light. Creativity, growth, um, if it's working out, whatever it is, movement, whatever it may be. And, and we have that choice. Doesn't mean it's easy to make the choice, but we do have that choice. So, Corbin, thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having me. Thanks for sharing. I um, look forward to hearing more. And, of course, having that genius that you live with, uh, Sarah, that's just a whole nother thing. <laughs> that's a uh, whole nother uh, podcast. That's a, that's you need to just other... have her come out. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, again, thank you for being here. And um, we'll look forward to seeing the stuff you have. And, and then sometime we'll have to capture this again. If nothing else, it'll be an opportunity for you and I to talk for an hour. Right? Let's do it. All right. <laughs> well, thank you very much for uh, being with us. Uh, definitely check out Corbin, uh, Corbin Tyson on either YouTube or different social media um, platforms. He's got some phenomenal con- content out there and um, I really encourage you to do that. Thank you very much for being here with me today and I look forward to being with you next week.